This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 29th, 2018. What business are we in? We're in the healthcare business. My dream of becoming a nurse started at a very young age. I played nurse, I had my little kit. I read books on Clara Barton and Florence Nightingale and watched Dr. Kildare. When I was a teenager, I worked as a candy striper in a local nursing home. I was accepted into the nursing program at the University of Delaware. And during that time, I worked as a nursing assistant at one of the hospitals in Wilmington. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing and I remember the day when we were pinned. Pinning was the big deal rather than capping. And then I landed my dream job as a critical care nurse in a hospital. It was awesome and I loved every minute of it. Well from there I was a public health nurse and I was a nurse um, with hospice home care. Fifteen years into my vocation, God rerouted me and I needed to surrender my stethoscope and dealing with physical care for spiritual care in my call as a pastor. And so, we want to welcome you to week three of What Business Are We In? Today, we're in the healthcare business. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Connection Healthcare. Connection Healthcare, where we share God's loving care as though your life depended on it, because it does. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Dr. J. Gotcha. You got me. <laughs> Barry wanted me to say McDreamy. You are. Anyway. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, and it's no accident that any one of us are here this morning. Open our hearts that we might receive your message that's intended for each one of us. It's amazing how you can kind of zero in on us as individuals. And so we ask for your transforming Holy Spirit upon us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Connection Healthcare. Healthcare is a really big business in this country. We did a little bit of statistics, and back in 2016, which is the latest we could find numbers on, $3.3 trillion in one year spent in healthcare. That's a lot of money, and that boils down to about. 10,000 a person. It's more money that is spent in this country on health care than in any other country. Health care is really important here. Health care is also very important to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Throughout the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, second part of the Bible, the, the books that talk about Jesus, who he was, what he did, in those books, Jesus' number one priority was caring for people. We see Jesus and his followers, the disciples, not only caring for their souls 
as they preach about God's kingdom, preach about God's love and mercy, preach about salvation. But they are also in the business of healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out demons. They're in the healthcare business. As followers of Jesus Christ, we at Connection Church are in that business as well, Connection Healthcare. Connection Healthcare, we want to give a shout out to all of you who are involved in healthcare in a lot of different ways. Thank you so much for serving. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about healthcare. Actually, Connection Healthcare. Few things. It involves waiting. <laughs> it involves waiting. When we go to the doctor, or nurse practitioner or physician's assistant, we usually have to wait. We wait for an appointment, we wait in the waiting room, we wait for test results. When we go to the emergency room, we wait until we get taken, we hear our name. When we go in for surgery, we walk in, we're in the waiting room and we're taken back to prep and holding, and we wait there until we're wheeled down the hall into the operating room. When Alan had his knee replacement, we had to get there two hours early. It's a lot of, it's a lot of waiting. And so in the waiting room itself, there you're waiting, you're watching that little board. And so then we're waiting for the doctor to come out or to get that phone call and hear the news of how things went. Waiting. Uh, to see our loved one after they have surgery and they're recovering from anesthesia. It's always my kind of time to kind of hold my breath because Alan gets a little feisty, little in a good way, a little frisky, a little frisky um, when he's coming out of anesthesia. Well, at least so. I can blame it on the anesthesia at that point. Yeah. It's always regarding me, it's not anybody else. So that's, that's a good thing, even under, that's a good thing. So, um, waiting. We do a lot of waiting, don't we? We do. So right now, we're waiting because tomorrow, Turner, our son, and Stephanie, our daughter-in-law, they're going for an induction. So we're gonna have our seventh grandchild, hopefully tomorrow. And as we wait, it could be a pretty long day waiting can't wait to show you the pictures next week of little Alex, our little granddaughter. So woohoo, God is good. Keep him in prayer. This is a miracle baby, and so we're looking forward to um, a great day tomorrow. Amen. Waiting is part of God's health care plan for us as well. You know, throughout the Bible, we read of people waiting patiently, sometimes not so patiently, waiting on the Lord. You know, the Lord promised Abraham a child with his wife Sarah. Well, Abraham couldn't wait patiently and tried to circumvent by having it through his wife's servant. Well, that wasn't God's plan. So finally at age 100, can you imagine? 100, of course, she was 90, his wife. Anyway, at 100 years old, Isaac was finally born at 100 years old for his father, Abraham. Moses spent 40 years as a shepherd before God sent him back to Egypt to free his people, people who had waited 400 years for God to set them free from slavery in Egypt. 
Those same people spent 40 years wandering around the desert, waiting until two generations of disbelievers passed away before God allowed them to enter the promised land. The Hebrew people waited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the promised Savior to be born in Bethlehem. And after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven, they again waited for, the, for his second coming. And we continue to wait for that second coming even to today. Waiting is not easy, is it? It's not easy here at Connection Healthcare when we're waiting on God, especially when we're waiting on God. That is so, so hard because we pray and we want those prayers to be answered so quickly. And sometimes we don't even, we aren't even sure what we're waiting for. But here's the thing, in our waiting and waiting and waiting, God's timing is perfect. I'll say that again. God's timing is perfect. And so in the midst of that, we wait. And we wait. And we wait. We read a lot about waiting in the scriptures. There's a psalm that addresses this. Quite a few psalms do. But we'd like to share Psalm 130 with you this morning. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. <laughs> if you, Lord, kept the record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. In the waiting, we come to realize something that's really important that God is in the waiting. God is in the waiting with us. And God calls us to be with one another in the waiting. It is so meaningful to me when I am in a waiting room, and I don't mean a physical waiting room, but I'm in the, a waiting room of some, something that's going on in my life, and a sister or brother comes and hangs out with me in that waiting room and encourages me and prays with me. I know you all know what I'm talking about, those waiting rooms of life that are really, really, really hard, but we are called to go to those very waiting rooms for one another and be the hands and feet, be the voice, be a shoulder, perhaps, to cry on. So important to be in those waiting rooms with one another. After the waiting, there's the diagnosis. You know, that's when the doctor uses those tests and lab results that we waited for to figure out what's going on and what to do about it. Diagnosis is not always an exact science, and sometimes it does take a while to figure it all out, but most of the time, sooner or later, the, the doctor's able to tell us what's wrong and what the next steps are. So Jesus was a pretty good diagnostician. 
excellent whether whatever was causing the illness, whether it was physical or emotional, spiritual, more often or not, it just wasn't one thing. It just isn't one thing. There's a lot of it that's all hooked together. So there's a story in Luke's gospel, and Luke shares about a time that Jesus went to have dinner, hang out with his close friends, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. So Martha was getting dinner ready, or whatever, lunch, whatever it was. She was getting the meal ready. She's really busy. You know, when you have company come, you're really working, working, working hard to get everything done. And there is Jesus sitting on the couch resting, and Mary, her sister's like sitting at his feet, you know, hanging out with Jesus, and Martha's pretty upset about this. And so she goes to Jesus and has this conversation with Jesus. Check out a little piece of that conversation. Luke 10, 40b through 42. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we can see here that Martha was pretty worked up about the situation. And when we get worked up about a situation, our blood pressure might go up, our heart might start racing, we might feel a little queasy in our stomach, and this likely was happening with Martha. And not to even mention she had a major attitude toward <laughs> her sister. Well, Jesus knew all this. And Jesus made a diagnosis. And his diagnosis was a spiritual one, that she had allowed distractions to get in the way and worry and anxiety because none of that was important. In fact, it wasn't her sister that was the problem. It was Martha that was the problem. And here she tried to get Jesus to side with, Jesus, come on, don't you care? Jesus said, no, the most important thing is spiritual care, which leads to relational care and all that kind of stuff. So Jesus is a great diagnostician. Now, I can appreciate this. I have to be careful because at times I suffer from Martha syndrome. You know, we're focusing on the task to the detriment of the relationship with others. Maybe some of you can appreciate that. Amen. And, you know, getting tasks done isn't a bad thing, right? we we got to get some tasks done. But the challenge is when the relationships suffer, when the task takes precedence over the people, and if that's how you're wired, there is hope. There is hope. I, you know, I'm, I'm in a work in progress, but there's hope. We just have to pray and look for Christ and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and there is hope for us task-focused people. Amen? Amen. Diagnosis. That's important here at Connection Healthcare. We often make a diagnosis about one another. We often make judgment that is completely off balance and completely wrong. And so we are not to judge. We are not to make the diagnosis, but we're called to love. 
we are called to love, to extend grace to one another, mercy to one another, the way we have been extended that grace and mercy through Jesus. We're supposed to pray for one another and support one another and be in the muck with one another without condescending, condemning words, but just to love, to help one another figure out next steps. I am so grateful for those people who speak into my life and are the voice of Jesus oftentimes. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't let your pride get in the way of asking for support, asking for prayer, asking for help. We're here for each other. In fact, our assembly here every Sunday morning, our primary purpose is to glorify God, to lift our voices, to lift our hearts to God. But the other major purpose is to support and encourage one another. Whether we know each other or not, it's an encouragement that we're all here together to glorify God and to encourage one another. And so once you receive a diagnosis, then generally you get a, a health care plan, a prescription, so to speak, and the prescription usually has uh, directions on what you should do or not do, you know, actions, but it also sometimes is a written script for some uh, medicine of some sort or other, you know. And, um, and um, um, Jesus had prescription as well. Uh, for example, how he handled this situation in Scripture. It's, it's dawn. It's a story many of you may be familiar with. It's dawn and Jesus is just sitting down to teach the people who have gathered with him. A, a dawn Bible study. How many would you... We could set one of those up if you have enough people here. A dawn, first thing in the morning, sun just coming up, Bible study. Anyway, that's what Jesus is doing there. And, and they're gathered with him. And the religious leaders, man, they're, they're at it early this day. Because <laughs> at dawn, they're bringing a woman out who's caught in adultery. Boy, they really had, a, they had something to do that day. And they remind Jesus that the law of Moses commands, it doesn't just say it commands, that this woman then should be stoned. Stoning often resulted in death, so that's what the commandment says, stone her. And they want to know what Jesus says. They really don't care. They don't care about the woman uh, one rep. They, don't, they, they want to trap Jesus here. They want to trap him between the law, which is what we're supposed to follow, right? The law. And his love and mercy, which you just talked about. His grace that he shows for people. They want to know where he's going to come down in front of this whole forum of people here in front of this Bible study. And so Jesus kneels down and starts writing in the dirt. That's what the scripture says as they continue to badger him. We're not, we're not sure what he's writing. You know, in Scripture, it's always interesting what's said and what's not said and what we can draw from what the words are and from what words aren't. And, you know, on the one hand, we figure well, it must not be that important. I, I've read a commentary where the, where the author suggested perhaps he was writing out the sins of those who had brought this woman out into the square there. I thought, oh, I love that one. 
<laughs> I hope that's what it was. I think that's great. <laughs> anyway, they're badgering him, and so he straightens up. And he simply says, okay, whichever one of you is without sin, you throw the first stone. <laughs> and then he returns to writing in the dirt. I guess he hadn't covered everybody in the circle yet. <laughs> and then an interesting thing happens. The accusers leave one by one, the, the oldest first, leaving just Jesus and the woman there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Say the rest with me. Go now and leave your life of sin. And so after diagnosing the situation here, Jesus offers prescriptions to both the accusers and to the accused. To the accusers, he's basically saying, hey, go look in the mirror. Examine yourself closely before you start examining someone else. In effect, he's saying, take that log out of your eye before you try to take that little splinter out of somebody else's, which actually he did say someplace else in Scripture. <laughs> it's a good prescription, isn't it? It's one we all need to pay attention to. Take that log out of our eye before we try to take that little splinter out of someone else's. But then he offered a prescription to the woman. He shares with her a situation. There's no one here to condemn her. And he says, in fact, I'm not even going to condemn you. Wow. Wow. She's free. She's free to go. But then there's a but. You know, with Jesus, there's often a but. <laughs> and it's what's on the other side of the but that we have to really pay attention to. And, and, and the other side of the butt, in this case, says this. It says, leave your life of sin. Ouch. Gosh, I was home free. <laughs> and then he said that. In other words, now this is an Alanization of it, but I'll throw it out there. Why not? Basically, he's saying to her, if you always do what you always done, you're going to always get what you always got. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. That's what how it works, right? If we don't change, nothing's going to happen. We're always going to get what we always got. That's true for me. That's true for you. That's just a universal given. If we say, I'm sorry, but we go out and do exactly what we did before the sorry, did anything change? And the question is, were we really sorry? And the answer is, I don't think so. Whether that's to a friend, a coworker, or a spouse, whatever, if we don't couple some changed behavior with the I'm sorry, nothing really happened. In church world, we have a word for that. It's called repent. And repent literally means, as we've said many times, going in one direction and literally changing direction. In Jesus' world, we call that new life. We call it new life, a new person. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've changed direction. I've changed direction. 
And so she needs to repent. She needs to go and sin no more. That's Jesus' prescription for this gal on this particular day. Well, we offer prescriptions here at Connection Healthcare. We help, we offer prescriptions to help all of us with, deal with our diagnoses. You see, we all have a sin-sick soul, every one of us. And so our primary prescription is to read your Bible. Cover to cover, to cover there's all kinds of um, little mini prescriptions in here in how to speak and how to deal and, and the order of our life and, and what God wants for us and the boundaries for our lives. And they're good. They're good. And so if you come to me and you say, I just don't know how I'm wired, I'm going to write out a prescription and say, here, take network. It's a great class in how to discover your spiritual gifts. Or, or you say, I have this kind of hole in my soul. And I'm like, well, are you serving anywhere? Like, no. It's like, let's get you connected right now. Because we're wired to do that. We're wired to give back. You know, we're, we kind of are selfish anyway, but then there's this yuck. And so... It helps when we give back, when we serve others. Um, we try to get people um, healthy psychologically and relationally and spiritually uh, through small groups. If you say, I don't really understand who God is, you say, take Alpha. Alpha is a great short course. It's every fall we're going to be gearing up. And we look at things like, who is Jesus, and why did he die, and how and why do I pray, and does God heal today, and who is the Holy Spirit, and what does the Holy Spirit do? I mean, it's really, really good stuff, and so we'll say, here, do that, or again, be in that small group, because that doing life together is so, so important, and then we also have um, prescriptions that aren't directly us, but we try to make it possible if those, some of us might suffer from and have recovery issues. So, you know, there's AA and there's Al-Anon and there's NA, and we give a room to a Christian counselor who can come and, and help us deal. So there's all kinds of prescriptions. And the primary one, though, is to engage. Engage in the word of God and try to see how that applies to your life. We want you to be, and God wants you to be, everything you can be when God first thought of you. And finally, a diagnosis and a prescription for a course of action are only as good as the willingness of the patient to follow what the health provider prescribes. You know, if you're prescribed an antibiotic, you go pick it up, you come home, you set it on the counter, and that's the last you do with it, chances are good that infection's not going to get any better at all. Yeah. Or let's say the doc says, uh, man, you've got to change your diet and you get some exercise, and, and you don't change your diet and exercise. Chances are pretty good your health is not going to change. After my neurosurgery, I had a uh, physical therapy five out of the next seven days uh, at my house. They came in. They come in and do it. And then, and then I had to go to them uh, three times a week for the next four weeks. 
But in addition, the doctor told me that I needed at home to do these exercises three times a day, every day. Now, some people are really surprised. Go, wow, you, you're really getting around really well, especially when it was like three, four weeks in, five weeks in. It's like eight and a half now, but wow. The thing is, it isn't magic. I tried best I could to follow the prescription. Now, there's some days I didn't get three, and that's a lot, especially if I'm at church. I, it's kind of awkward to do these exercises in the middle of the office there where you're supposed to be laying out and doing all this kind of crazy stuff. But I tried my best to, to follow what was prescribed, if at all possible. And, and I'm still, you know, it, they, we didn't end it when physical therapy ended. We're still doing those exercises. Supposedly three, most days I'm only able to get about two in again because of the logistics, but I'm still trying to get two if I possibly can. I'm still doing them twice a day and because my still, knee still gets a little stiff. I got to still work on it. Still got to bust up whatever it is that's, that's keeping it stiffened up there. And it's probably going to continue. I don't know how long it's going to continue until it doesn't need to be done anymore. You know, like I say, it's not magic. It's following the prescription. And if we follow the prescription, chances are pretty good you're going to have the outcome that the doctor expected with when they prescribe, he or she prescribed what they prescribed for you. Follow the doctor's orders. It's important. He rode 10 miles yesterday on his bike. I'm pretty proud of that. So that's great job, Alan. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it's true with Connection Healthcare as well. If we want to lead healthy lives, especially spiritually healthy lives, it's important to follow the doctor's orders. Again, there's lots of things inside. And when I say orders, that sounds kind of strong, but God does give us direction. And I would even say that they're orders or things don't work out right for us. But anyway, there's this guy named Paul, and he wrote a lot of the second half of the Bible. And God's the great physician, so I would say Paul's the great physician's assistant or nurse practitioner because he gives us a prescription for uh, our spiritual health. He writes a letter to the church at Colossus, and let's check it out. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Here's what Paul writes. And, you know, he, he says this to the church at Colossus, but I think he's saying it even more broadly than that. We, we can take this in as well. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, Say it with me. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Wow. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self. That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? The old is gone, the new has come. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, now, Alan said but's always a big word. You know, he says something, but 
Therefore, when we hear therefore, we better listen to that too. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and that's you, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, say it with me, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's a pretty hefty prescription, isn't it? But it's right on. Especially when it comes to our spiritual health. Putting aside fleshy things like lust, greed, idolatry. Ridding ourselves of what I call the ugly Anger, rage, filthy language, lying. You are God's chosen people. Chosen. You've been created in God's image. Isn't that wild? The creator of everything has chosen you. And, and, and put a spark of the divine in each of us. We have to embrace the prescription and, and clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's that waiting room again. Forgive as we've been forgiven. I mean, if the God of the cosmos the, can forgive us, certainly we should be able to forgive one another. And above all, put on love. Put on. Okay, now let's really say it like we mean it. Put on love. love. There we go. Put on love. It's, yeah, it's a pretty good prescription for emotional, psychological, relational, spiritual health. And truth is, chances are your physical health is probably going to get a, get a boost out of this as well. Connection Health Care, that's who we are, where we share God's loving care as though your life depends on it, because it does. That's the good news. Let's believe it, and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word found in Scripture. We thank you for the story of Mary and Martha and how Jesus wants us to prioritize our life. We thank you for the story of the woman um, caught in adultery and how um, Jesus did not condemn but then said, well, go and sin no more. Turn from that life. God, thank you so much for your forgiveness and thank you for your Holy Spirit who showers upon us the gifts of compassion kindness as we clothe ourselves in you patience and goodness self-control god help us in all situations not lash out but to put on love we thank you god that you are the great physician the healer and for your love we pray this in the name of the father son and holy spirit
Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.